This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eating. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. Well, Jack, we're back drinking on a Spooko episode. It doesn't happen every episode like it used to. And do you think it would be that those, those lovely mates we made who we shout out every episode and we devote so much time and energy to shouting out? Shag, this is not rhetorical. Do you think it is a Reshers I'm drinking right now? I mean, you're drinking from a wine glass. But mm-hmm. Pete, Chuck, you have been known to flip the script. So, <laughs> it look, it, it could be, be... I can't tell from the, oh. the colouring on my computer screen. It looks like a, maybe an orange wine instead. Yeah, I'm such a script flipper. I'm, I'm afraid that's one of the problems with her being friends with me. Shag, it's a lovely little pet nat. I'm having a good time. Resha's medium, what's up? Love to get another free case of beer. Last time was about 80 episodes ago. So, you know, if you just get around to it, that would be handy. Um, but Shag, I'm back. I got a little bit of a buzz going. You know, a little bit of have to do a bit of work after this anxiety buzz and the way you do drunk work as a lawyer one of my early mentors taught me was that anything you draft while drunk you go oh this is a draft for discussion purposes so you're like, okay everyone here's a draft for discussion purposes and uh don't worry it's not to be taken as a, as anything of substance this is look i'm proving i'm working you know punching my time card and we'll just send a nice little draft for discussion purposes so look it's a tick in every box show this episode can be a draft for discussion purposes if you like. well pete look i don't want to kill your buzz mm. oh no but Oh no! A couple of Not weeks ago, no, I know, I know, I know. But a couple of weeks ago, mm. we got a review, and it wasn't exactly a glowing review. Can I? What? Can I remind you of the contents of this review? Yeah, if I just block. Is this a classic me high school? I just block out stuff that doesn't please me. If I just block no. down this review, no, no, no. This one's fine. So, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Mm. We we got a review on one of the streaming services. First of all, gave us two stars. Oh yeah, out of how many is it? Out of is five. It two. <laughs> two. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect marks. I was getting pretty. I was getting pretty pumped right there. <laughs> so they got. We got two stars, and they said, "Here's a podcast." About mm. movies, but so, so far, I agree. I accept that by two guys who hate movies but love <laughs> hip hop and giggling. I, <laughs> I think that's a pretty good review, pretty accurate review. I think it's, I think it's a pretty accurate review. And speaking of our love for hip hop, I want to take you back to 2001, 21 years ago. That was the year 
the Jay-Z, or Jay-Z as we pronounce him in Australia, yeah, yeah. released his uh, seminal work, H to the Izzo. And it has one of my, like, favorite, like, I have used this line so many times as, like, voice recordings, as out of offices, out of ways to, like, enamor clients to me. He started the song by saying, you could have been anywhere else in the world, but you're here with me. I appreciate that. <laughs> what I love about that is he's not saying you're going to love this song. He's not saying anything. He's like, you gave me your attention. And I guess my thing is for someone to go out of their way to listen to the show, you know, maybe mm. have some qualms with it, but still give us a rating and write a review. I appreciate that, especially because in 2001, there weren't iPhones. The internet was a bit boring. People still listen to music <laughs> on CDs. Like today, you can literally go to a program, type in some words, and it will create the image for you. You can have mm. anything you want at your fingertips at any moment in time. And this person still chose to be here with us and write a review. And I really appreciate that. I think it's a pretty spot on review as well. They've like read, they've listened to like four episodes. <laughs> is the other thing that I'm like, oh, they've actually. <laughs> but do you think like, do, is this giggling? Mm. I feel like. I don't know how you define giggling, but I don't think how we laugh is giggling. But maybe if it grates on you, then it's just automatically giggling. I think it's quite a gendered word. Like, I think it's unusual for, like, cishet adult blokes to be referred to as giggling. I expect that as much as we try to check what we're doing, we come off like smelly old, boring cishet white guys, which is <laughs> deeply fair enough. <laughs> so I do think giggling is a pretty fair way to kind of just slightly undercut the otherwise, you know, assured and eminent kind of vibes we hand out. I give that review four and a half out of five. <laughs> I think it's pretty spot on. Strikes me as pretty honestly held. In my line of work, it's really important mm. to take criticism, even when it, it feels overly negative. You've got to be like, okay, but what's important out of there for me? Because if you take on board all negative criticism, you're just like, I suck, I should quit. But if you listen to the negative criticism and you hear the things, and one of the things I hear in that comment is, yeah, maybe it comes across sometimes like we're too dismissive of movies mm. and sometimes we stray too far from the original thesis of this podcast, which was Wikipedia synopsises of horror movies are sometimes pretty fun. But, but, but uh, like, Shag, you're also supposing that this reviewer is like, now how close does this episode <laughs> match up to the original thesis? <laughs> which I'm not certain was the reviewer's approach. But, you know, look, that's what I took from it. I was hmm. like, I want to find a really hmm. fun horror synopsis, and I think I found it. Yes. Um, um, today's film is a wander back into those VHS video stores nice. of the 1980s where there were rows and rows of horror films with garish and daringly scary covers. This is one of those series that we've never covered. We've covered Nightwear and Elm Street. We've covered your Hellraisers. Yes. We've covered your Friday the 13th. We've covered your yes. Halloweens. And somehow we've never touched on a cult classic that began in 1979 and uh. went on to spawn four sequels. Uh, uh. Today we are doing an American sci-fi fantasy horror film. The thing? Called Phantasm. Okay. F-P-H. P-H. Fucking the ad I got, like, before this was, like, you're... I mean, it is a very boring dystopia. It's like... 
Don't worry about all your passwords. We'll look after them for you. (laughs) 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 Like being in the future, the boring, scary future is really boring and scary. Phantasm, let's go outside. Phantasm. Is it a nightmare? Phantasm. Is it an illusion? Phantasm. Is it an evil? You have to take me home. What? No questions. You must take me home. Phantasm. Is it a fantasy? Phantasm. Is it alive? There was nobody driving. Whatever it is. If this one doesn't scare you, you're already dead. Okay. Phantasm. It's those late 70s trailers that are full of explosions and sci-fi stuff and trips to other dimensions and all that kind of thing. And somehow with all that excitement, it's the most boring fucking thing I've (laughs) ever seen in my life. (laughs) Esther the Puko. Esther the Izzy. (laughs) So, So in 2001... There wasn't mm. that much to grab your attention. Like to, to listen to a CD, you had to either go to the listening station in yes. the record store or buy it and take it home. So it's not like yes. if you if you bought a Jay-Z record and you didn't like it, you'd be like, oh, best just listen to it again until I like it because <laughs> can't go back to the record store, right? Like that was your options. So it's a, it's a really good point to be like we can see or do anything or have or imagine, you know, see anything we want at the moment. And it's kind of dulled our imagination. To your point. What would you like to see right now, Shag? Show show how dulled your imagination is. Would it be your friend on a podcast just in a Zoom screen? <laughs> like all that came to my head was like toast. I'm like, I've got nothing, right? Yeah. I've got nothing. Mm. So we were talking about 2001 before. This film came out in mm. 1979 Ugh. when movies were actual magic, right? Your life was... Yeah. The two or three television stations that operated for eight hours a day that played very similar, like very conservative, very regulated programming for you. Checking payphones to see if anyone had accidentally left change yep, in. If yep. you find 10 or 20 cents being like, oh, fuck, I found 10 cents. The newspaper that you trusted, you know, deeply. Mm. The, the, the the gossip you heard from your friends or your relatives yes. and anywhere you could drive in your car or or get public transport to, right? Like yes. your, your world was like pretty small. So movies were actual magic. And I think even though, yes, 1970s movies are, are unwatchable and I watched this this morning and, oh, my God, it was so hard to sit <laughs> what through. What speed? What speed? Did oh, you like 1.5. 1. 1. And it was still this like, reviewer would be like, hates movies, check. <laughs> JZ, chat, no. check. Giggling, check. <laughs> no, but, but, I, but my point is, wait mm. till you hear this synopsis. It is like, I don't even know, like, how the fuck would you come up with a synopsis like this in 2022? Like, it is wild. I cannot wait to read it to you. H to the Izzo. Let's do it. All right. So, was that really 2001? I would have said that was like 98. 
Maybe even 96? No, 2001. Because I'm pretty sure it dropped. It was meant to drop on September 11. And I think maybe they held it back a week because of it. Because of what? And remember, he's a New Yorker, right? Like this is is a New York star's homecoming. Good. And yeah, anyway. So, oh my God. Fucking, uh, I'm going to read you the whole first sentence here. And then I'm going to unpack what it means, okay? Okay, so So, okay. This is how Phantasm from 1979 begins. While engaging in sexual intercourse in Morningside Cemetery, Tommy is stabbed by the lady in lavender, actually the tall man, the Morningside mortician in another form. Magic chat. Can I tell you what you just told me? Yes. So two people are making love and a mortician can appear in a different form. This form is the Lady in Lavender form, and it's actually the local mortician adopting Lady in in Lavender form to murder sex buddies who are smooching up in the old graveyard. Peach, you've just uncovered a very vital part of the plot. All right, so this film begins with a shot of four legs behind a gravestone being like, ooh. Ooh. Oh, like rolling around (laughs) in the the grave grass. (laughs) And and you can just see the four legs going for it. Then a close-up shot of some boobs because I think it's one of those things where they wanted to show some boobs but maybe – the main actor was like, well, I, I, that's not in my contract, so they just got some stunt boobs in of the lady in Lavender. And we have this character, Tommy, who's, like, super into it, and then all of a sudden the lady in Lavender becomes this scary guy who has sort of a bald head but also long white hair, raises a knife and stabs him. Later, we're at the funeral <laughs> of Tommy at the same cemetery. So remember, they were fucking in the cemetery. Quick bit of feedback for Wikipedia drafters. Yeah. Like, if you're like, we always presume you're drafting in chronological order. <laughs> so you will never, ever need to start a sentence with the word later. <laughs> Everything, like, you just, you're not going to fucking write something that happened before. Just write the next thing. Uh, <laughs> all right. Okay. So, 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 Sorry. so, so, so. We're presuming this is like a small town because. Okay. They're having sex at this one cemetery and then later he's getting buried at this cemetery. Small town people love getting banged where they're going to get buried. <laughs> Bang me where I'll get buried. <laughs> <laughs> you know you can buy, like, you buy the li- license to your grave, right? So, Shag, you and I get married. Sadly, you die tomorrow and I die in 30 years. I will have bought the plot next year. So I might take up with a new lover and bang... <laughs> On my grave <laughs> with my new lover <laughs> near your corpse. So it's, you know, there's sort of a circle of life type romance to it. I understand. All right. So at the funeral, Tommy's friend. Just got a text from my dad who taught me all about that area of the law. So maybe he's like, <laughs> my ears were burning. <laughs> Oh, gosh, drinking is so fun, Shag. Have we talked about drinking before? There's, anyway, sorry, there's, there's a reason why this episode is super loose. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 at the funeral, Tommy's mm. friends, Jody and Reggie. Jody is obviously a name that usually we attribute to a woman, but uh, Jody mm. is a man. Um, so, Jody mm-hmm. and Reggie believe he committed suicide because they're just standing around being like, oh, it's rough that Tommy killed himself. <laughs> like, the scripting, like, Obviously, this was a low-budget first feature. This is very much a labour of love. Doesn't that mean it should be better than it is? Well, it was... I do feel like labour of love is like a bit of a get-out-of-jail-free card for it being a bit shit. Not in the 70s when 
making anything was difficult. Fair. Uh, but making a film on, like, you couldn't see what you shot. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You just, like, films, I assume that was fine. <laughs> she did another take of like, oh, I, we probably got it. I expect, I expect we got it. <laughs> anyway, anyway, okay. So meanwhile, Jody's 13-year-old brother, Mike, secretly observes the funeral and sees the tall man placing Tommy's heavy casket, seemingly with little or no effort, back into the hearse instead of completing the burial. So you're following all of this, Super right? strong and hoarding corpses. Yes, I'm with you. So later, Jody goes to a bar and is seduced by the lady in lavender and taken to the cemetery once again to have sex. So the lady in lavender's got a bit of a move down. Yeah, I'm with you. So, uh... Are you getting messages from my dad as well? Because if so, (laughs) and if it's about graves, I will freak out. So they're interrupted by Mike, who has been following Jody and has been driven out of his hiding place by a short-hooded figure. So basically what happens is, this is confusing, but, like, Mike is watching them through his binoculars, the the same binoculars he used to spy on the funeral. And... Mm. And I don't know if it's I don't know if it's said in this Wikipedia synopsis, but the reason he wasn't at the funeral was because he and Jody's parents were killed a couple of years earlier, and Jody was like, "Don't go to the funeral; it, it, it'll freak you out. It won't make you feel good." So he's just watching it with binoculars. But he also fucking great advice, yeah. Also, <laughs> but he also follows Jody, <laughs> and so anyway, so he's watching them about to have sex, but then he gets interrupted by this little hooded figure. You know, like those little hooded figures in Star Wars. The Ewoks. Not the Ewoks, uh, the one you no, know the, the ones I'm talking about. Bleep, the little bleep, sand, bleep. the little bleep bloops. Yeah, like the yeah, I expect they have an unfortunate name. I expect that be like, please don't call them that. So he gets driven out of his hiding place by this short hooded figure. Uh, Mike mm. tries to tell Jody about the hooded figure, but Jody dismisses the story. So Mike decides <laughs> to investigate further. He goes to the mausoleum where he is sort of caught by this, like, not the not the tall man, but another caretaker who's like, come here, you, and he's being chased around this mausoleum. Oh, but at the same time, this flying silver ball appears and starts chasing <gasps> yes. him. Right, so this is this is one of the big weapons. This is like the Freddy glove, the knife hands of, of the tall man, right? This is the Freddy glove of the tall man. He has this silver ball that has blades on it. It looks like a silver snitch rather than a golden snitch. It is. Snitch. It's a silver snitch. So anyway, yeah. the silver snitch flies through the air. Mike ducks it at the last moment and it hits the caretaker in the head. The blades go straight into his head, starts drilling into the top of his brain <laughs> and all Sick. this blood spurts out the back of the ball and he dies. That is actually really cool and good. good it's about. super cool. Like the effects are terrible, but for 1979, it's actually pretty good. The tall man then comes. Do you remember Idlewild? Like, <laughs> I love you. I love you, <laughs> You mentioned hiding place. Remember that? Like, cause I, I live in a hiding place. It's the only place I feel safe. Safe in a hiding place. Well, our eldest is working through all my old CDs, most of which have too many swears and that sort of thing that I don't let them listen to. Those. And she's decided, Shag, that the best albums I've got that she's allowed to listen to are Weezer's Blue album and that Idlewild album that finishes with that Scottish poet doing like Scottish friction, Scottish fiction, Uh, whatever it is. That is a good album. And obviously Weezer is great, but 
His mm. views on women are not too cool. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Now let's find out more about what's happening with Michael. All right. Okay. So, so he, so this caretaker dies, but then the tall man appears, mm. and the tall man's whole thing is: I was reading about how they make him scary. So he was an exceptionally tall person that the director saw on another film shoot and was generally intimidated by this guy, so wanted to cast him as as a bad guy, and to make him even more intimidating, made him wear a suit that was one size too small so it's just a little bit tight well, and like a little he was bit stretching short. out of it yeah, yeah so, okay. so so it's like an optical illusion he looks even taller than he is i must say i i do get concerned though for like creators expecting the fears they have to be the fears of others <laughs> <laughs> like I, just boats kind of freak me out like and just i don't like being close to boats and like big boats and i'm like if i was like ah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna make a horror film. Just, it's just really quite near where like one boat's next to another boat. So it might be the marina. We might call it like Marina Spook Out or something like that. So, marina Spook Out. <laughs> I think Spooko Studios marina might not fund me for like <laughs> it'll be a found footage just to be walking around some marinas being like, this is where the motor and shit is, and there's like a little bit of oil in the water. So just that's my feedback what, what, 45 what? years in the future. What are you scared? Uh, about when it comes to boats being too close. I think to that's you. the point. I don't really have a good explanation. <laughs> I don't. I don't love deep, deep water where you can't see it. Yeah. There was a TikTok that had the warning of like, "Don't try this at home." Of someone who like dived off a wharf next to like a giant ocean liner leaving, and you got to see how powerful the like drag was to drag. You know, so you're getting dragged into the propellers uh, under the boat and dragged away, yeah, and this person's good. like racing against the current and i was like oh, oh that's, that's not pretty good. intense anyway but even just hanging around you know i grew up 500 meters from an oil refinery it's really weird just around the corner there from my house <laughs> should i get some more drinks or what do you reckon <laughs> is this, this the right amount <laughs> all right okay so let's get back into it idle wild let's go so mike's running away from the tall man who appears out of nowhere mm. um small suit i'm with it and as he slams the door the tall man's fingers get caught and get cut off but Ooh. instead of red blood, it's yellow blood, and the mm. fingers continue to move. So okay. not knowing what to do, he takes one of the fingers with him and he escapes the mausoleum. The still moving finger, he's keeping in a box, and it's enough to convince Jody that Mike is telling the truth about the, <laughs> the weird figure in the cemetery. And like, look, look at his finger. It's like, yeah, okay, okay. It, he's, he's like, And it's actually kind of cool how... It, the the annoying thing in horror movies is, especially in the eighties or nineties, someone would see that and they'd be like, "It's just rigor mortis. That's, that's not a moving finger." Stop making up that it's <laughs> bad, you idiot. <laughs> Stop making it up for no reason. Ugh. Now Jody wants to bring the finger to the sheriff, mm. but at that point, <laughs> it transforms into a giant fly. <laughs> So this is, this, oh, okay. can you believe this movie so far? It's like, what this is, is going on? Job. It's amazing, right? So Reggie, who witnesses the finger-turned insect attack them, joins the brothers in their suspicion. So remember, Reggie and Jody were friends with Tommy and Mike mm. is Jody's little brother. I will remember all that, yes, and I do already. So Jody goes to the cemetery alone, but is chased away by dwarfs and a seemingly driverless hearse. He is rescued by Mike in Jody's Plymouth Barracuda, which they use to run the hearse off the road. 
They discover it was driven by one of the hooded figures, and when they take the hood off, they realise it's their reanimated friend Tommy who's been shrunken and turned into a dwarf. <laughs> right? Right? What is this movie? It's amazing. Let's go. Yeah, okay. And you know the coolest part is this is mostly explained too. It's not like a weird shit happened. It's like, no, 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 there is a point to all of this. Sick. All right, I'm having fun. So they take Tommy's shrunken body and hide it in Reggie's ice cream truck. Reggie's an ice cream truck driver, Sick. which I think was like a legitimate profession in 1979. You could be like, I'm going to drive an ice cream. Until we made it scary. There's a Spooko film coming out. I'm pretty sure that has spooky. Actually, that's true. That's true. All right. So Reggie and Jody resolve to defeat the tall man while they hide Mike in an antique store owned by Jody's friends Sally and Sue. Now, while he's exploring the antique store, there is that moment that happens in a lot of old films. Remember last week we talked about how if you go back more than 20 years in any art form, you'll discover hugely racist tropes? Oof. So at one point... I feel like the time scale is so much shorter, but, yes, I'm with you. So at one point... So, so he's wandering this giant antique store and he's looking at all these things and at one point we see a statue of those, like, classic Chinese dragons and the sound yeah. effect is a big gong. It's like, gong. And it's just like, what? Why? Why? And it's, it's, me, it's just this, like, meaningless shot of him just looking around the antique store. Anyway. He eventually finds an old photograph of the tall man. And this time it's it's a very old photograph in which the tall man is riding like a horse and carriage. So it's kind of like the end of The Shining where it's like... Yes, I was going to say that's exactly what sprang to mind, Shag, yes. But then what happens is this photograph starts moving and the photograph zooms in on the tall man's face who then turns to look at Mike and then turns back and the photograph goes still again. It's a cool moment. So yeah, many cool yeah, moments yeah. in this film. Look, is this actually a pretty good movie? It's 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 boring. It's, like so, I'm sure it's boring as shit if, to watch. If you but... don't have to watch it, but can just know about it and think <laughs> about it and let it, you know, swim in your head, it's amazing. Sick. A remake of this, yes, well, put. would be out of control. Well put. Spooko Studios could get the rights for ten dollars fifty. How presume. how long does it take for copyright to run out? Depends on the country. Oh, okay. For something made at this stage, it's like 50 years. Okay, so it's almost, this is 1979. Almost public domain, yeah. We've got, like, we've got like eight years and we can make this. And we're, we're great at making films already, <laughs> so, so it'll probably, probably be really good. All right, okay. So he finds this old photograph, freaks out, and insists on being taken home, and Sally and Sue are like, okay, on the way... Mike, Sally, and Sue come across the ice cream truck overturned. They look inside. They can't see anything. When they go back to the car, they're attacked by a mob of hooded dwarves. Mike manages to escape, presuming the girls and Reggie are dead. So is the tall man extracting height from all the dead people? So, or something? so wait, so wait. Okay. So Jody goes to the mausoleum to kill the tall man. Mike, who is locked in his bedroom for safety, escapes, runs into the tall man at his door, and the tall man, like, is his whole creepy thing. I don't know if head tilts have arrived in cinema yet, 1979. Okay, so what does he do in place of it? Does he do, like, a finger little no, no, no? He just puts his hand up and does a little claw motion, and he's like, little boy, it's time to die sort of thing. It's kind of not scary, but I imagine in 1979... I would have been crapping my pants. Yeah, I would have been like, I would never have been able to sleep again. Sick. All right. So 
He kidnaps Mike in a hearse, but Mike escapes and causes the hearse to strike a pole and explode. Looking for Jody in the mausoleum, Mike is targeted by the Silver Sphere until Jody appears out of nowhere with a shotgun and destroys it, which is like a bit disappointing that it could just be destroyed. It doesn't explain it in this Wikipedia synopsis or in the film, but I read later that the Sphere is like a corporeal... Uh, What's the term? Like Snitch. A, a corporeal Snitch. apparition of the tall man's eyes. So he, he could shoot his eyeballs out yes. to go and attack people. Yes. It's not really explained. I, I imagine it gets explained in one of the four sequels. That's a classic dad joke. Of, I can do that, but I just won't show you. Like, <laughs> I can do that. All right. So together with Reggie, they enter a brightly lit room that's filled with canisters and containing more dwarves. Now, the dwarves all escape somewhere, and Mike sees that the, there's these two metal rods in the middle of the room, and he's like, what's going on? He gets close, and he realises if he passes his hand through these metal rods, it's like his hand goes somewhere. Sick. And when he looks through, there's this red dimension with, like, crazy yes. pressure, and there's all yes. of these little dwarves carrying these canisters. And at this moment, Mike, who's 13 but very smart, realises that when the tall man captures people, he sends them to this dimension which the pressure causes them to become dwarves and yes. reanimates them to become his slaves to carry these yes. canisters. Don't know what these canisters are for, but he needs all these slaves in this other dimension to carry the canisters, which is a pretty satisfying Reason and like and motive for the tall man, I reckon, in a horror movie. I I think that's great ambition. Like, I just like that people try to take responsibility for what they're doing. Like, hey, this is a film about a red dimension. <laughs> it crushes you down, makes you real short. Got to get the canisters out of there. It's good. A sudden power outage separates the trio. Mm. Left alone in the room, Reggie activates the portal, creating a powerful vacuum from which he narrowly escapes. But it starts sucking everything in in the room and then later everything in the rest of the building into this portal. In the ensuing storm, Reggie is stabbed by the Lady in Lavender who transforms back into the tall man while Jody and Mike flee and the mausoleum vanishes into the portal. Jody devises a plan to trap the tall man in an abandoned mine shaft. The, the tall man attacks Mike at home and chases him outside, where he eventually is led by Mike to the mine shaft. Mike jumps over it. The tall man doesn't, falls down the mine shaft, and Jody triggers an explosion which causes an avalanche, which buries the tall man down the mine shaft, and then he gives Mike a big thumbs up from the top of the hill. <laughs> After this. Okay. Like, I still can't even figure out, like, what's interesting is I'm like, are we at the start of the movie or, like, halfway through? Like, this is a baffling. But, like, I like that I feel like this movie takes responsibility for itself. You know, I feel like it's driving along to be like, this is what this movie's about. Now, wait, 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 wait to have the rug pulled from you. So... I saw the prestige shag. I know. I think I've got pretty good. So, So, after this, Mike wakes up in his bed. Still worried about the tall man. Mm-hmm. Reggie, who's still alive and not dead. Shag, why did you say it like that? Tells Mike that he simply had a nightmare. And Jody wasn't doing anything with an avalanche and a tall man because he died in a car crash some time ago and you visited his grave recently. And then it cuts to Mike visiting Jody's grave at some point in the part, like a jump cut straight to that to imply that some of that or all of that was a dream, but we don't know. Then Reggie says, Mike, 
the loss of your parents and the loss of Tommy and the loss of Jody have been too much for you. Let's go on a road trip. Go and pack your bags. He goes into his bedroom to pack. He closes the mirror. Behind him is the tall man uh, saying, tall man. it's time to go or something, and then pulls Mike through the mirror, and that's the end of the film, making us question what was a dream and what wasn't. That's the end of Phantasm Part 1. Peach, what did you think? I liked it a lot, although I feel like we didn't quite explain. Like, we'd never seen him pull anyone through a mirror previously. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like calling back to my ability to pull people through mirrors. <laughs> it's like, I don't recall <laughs> that that was part of your shtick. It's like oh. if Spider-Man was like, look out for my lasers that I can shoot or something. He'd be like, oh, cool, that's cool. I didn't know that was part of your armory. I don't know, Shaggy, how did you feel leaving it at 1.5 speed this morning? Was it a satisfying adventure? It made me really happy that we made a whole show about this genre because while the movie is really difficult to watch and borderline unwatchable, as all films from the 70s are, Hugely. the story is just so interesting and so, like, crazy. And, look, one of my recent work heroes made a point recently about how creativity is just connecting dots. And the more dots you have, the more you can create, right? And so the more you're exposed to things and ideas that are completely challenging and completely strange like that, the the more open your brain is. So of all the films we've done recently, this has been one of my favourites because I genuinely did not expect any of the twists or story developments in it. It's the eighth wonder of the world, floor of the century... Always timeless. <laughs> uh, this was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up?